0: Hi, this is Jimmy Papadopoulos, a Belmore restaurant in Chicago, and you're cooking with me today on Cook Tracks.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, Kinda will be in your ear, taking you step-by-step step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that, if you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. For this episode, guys, we have one of Chicago's finest. And I'm not talking about a hot dog, a pizza, or a cop. I'm talking about Chef Jimmy Papadopoulos from Belmore Restaurant in Chicago. Jimmy's a self-taught chef and was named one of the seven best young chefs in America. So we're going to fire up a firebird chicken sandwich. Man, I can't wait for you guys to try and cook this one. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment lists that you need to cook along with us. Make a note though, you gotta get your chicken in the brine action going before you can follow along with Jimmy. All right, Cappy's in the kitchen with Jimmy. Take it away, Cappy. All
2: right, everyone. I am here with Chef Jimmy Papadopoulos of Belmore Restaurant in Chicago. Not to waste any time, but Jimmy's been one of my favorite chefs in the city since before he was at this restaurant. But I'm going to stop. Enough from me. As Rach said, by now you should have your ingredients and equipment list from whichever podcast platform you use. All right, Chef, tell us what recipe you're doing and why you are obsessed with this dish
0: right now. All right. Well, my number one obsession right now is our Firebird chicken sandwich. It's been since we started lunch. I've loved it. I don't think there's anything that, that, that beats an awesome fried chicken sandwich. And so that was kind of it for me. This is my absolute obsession. I just want to show you guys how I make it here at the restaurant.
2: Amazing. So, uh, um, and I've had this fried chicken sandwich, and everyone's going to learn how to make an incredible fried chicken sandwich in your own home kitchen. So let's do a roll call of ingredients. Chef, do you want to take us through... All of these ingredients that everyone should have on their counter now some of you guys may be on a subway you may be driving and this is a form of entertainment but if you are cooking along with us at home we're going to do a roll call of ingredients to make sure you have everything on your counter and if you don't feel free to hit pause and
0: grab it and then come back and join us so let's do it absolutely so first up a couple of a couple of pieces of equipment that you're going to want to have to start off you're going to definitely need an instant read thermometer Get yourself a heavy bottom six to eight quart Dutch oven for frying, or a countertop fryer works if you if you have one at home. Japanese mandolin is another favorite tool for mine for slicing really thin slices, and a nice high-powered blender. Uh, as far as ingredients go, we're gonna start off with four pieces of chicken thighs, boneless with the skin on. We're gonna have our ingredients for our brine, which is one cup of pickle juice, kosher dill preferred, a cup of water, one tablespoon of salt, two teaspoons of sugar. For the breading, we need to have three cups of all-purpose flour, one cup of cornstarch, one tablespoon of black pepper, fine ground, two tablespoons of dried dill, two tablespoons of salt. For our hot paste, we need to have one tablespoon cayenne, one and a half tablespoon of brown sugar. We should have two teaspoons of salt, two tablespoons of paprika, sweet, one tablespoon of garlic powder, and about a quarter cup of canola oil. For our ranch dressing, you're going to need to have a half cup of sour cream, a half cup of mayonnaise, a quarter cup of cream cheese that should be softened to room temperature, a quarter cup of buttermilk, a quarter cup of white onion that could be just rough chopped, two pieces of garlic cloves right around medium size, a tablespoon of Worcestershire, one, one and a half tablespoons of distilled vinegar, a half teaspoon of celery salt, a half teaspoon of garlic salt, and a teaspoon of ground black pepper. Uh, Now for the herbs, you're gonna want to make sure that you have some fresh dill, roughly about two tablespoons worth, two tablespoons of fresh parsley, two tablespoons of fresh chives, and two tablespoons of fresh scallions. For the fried shallots, we're looking at about one cup of thinly sliced shallot and one cup of canola oil. And then for assembling, we want to make sure that we have a good amount of oil for frying, roughly four quarts, two cups of buttermilk for breading, four pieces of brioche style buns, two tablespoons of butter that could be softened, one cup of romaine lettuce that should be shredded, 16 pieces of pickles, thinly sliced. I love kosher dill for this sandwich. And eight pieces of a beautifully ripe tomato. Slice it nice and thin ahead of time. Save yourself some time. And four tablespoons of mayonnaise. Excellent. So if you do not have any
2: of those ingredients or if any of them are not prepped out, again, feel free to hit pause at any time. Chop those herbs, chop that onion, whatever you need to do
0: come back and join us. All right, let's do this. Yes. All right. So the first and foremost thing for me is is building the brine for the chicken. And this is something that you're going to want to do ahead of time to make sure that your brine's cold. And what we're doing here is we're going to be adding we're in it just in a in a, you know, in a bowl, which you can mix up 1 cup of pickle juice, kosher dill, 1 cup of water, the 1 tablespoon of salt and 2 teaspoons of sugar. And all I'm going to do is just literally whisk this together just to kind of bring it all together, and that's that's it. I want it to dissolve. I'll pop that in the cooler and let it get really nice and cold for me for at least about four hours or so. Um, And then when I'm ready to brine, all I'm doing to this guys is I'm just adding my chicken thighs into this brine to cover and then putting them back into the fridge for about six hours.
2: So we have like a medium mixing bowl of this brine you just mix together and then you're taking these boneless skin on chicken breasts. After that brine cools in the fridge, you just added the chicken to the brine back in the fridge
0: that simple and Got literally it. let it sit if, if your chicken's about an inch thick i like to let it sit for anywhere from four to six hours the next step that we're going to move into now is actually building the sauces and all the fun stuff that, that garnishes this and we'll start out with our ranch being number one
2: okay so after i just may go home
0: after we do this ranch because this is all i need to know this is like this is my jam i mean it's it's like we all love ranch we all love hidden valley and the you know the classics and how do you build your own so this was for me uh, when we when we thought of this sandwich i wanted to make a an amazing ranch dressing. So we start out with buttermilk in the blender. And I wanna use my more liquid ingredients first to kind of help the blender get started. I'll put in my chopped onion into the blender. Nice tip there. Yep. Liquid towards the bottom. I like that. Liquid first and then in goes the garlic. I'll put in my two cloves. I'm going to add in my Worcestershire sauce. Is that how you say it? Worcestershire or Worcestershire? You know,
2: I feel like I've had this conversation with three people in the last three days and no one knows how to say it correctly. I can't figure it out. Or can't say it.
0: I just call it Worcestershire sauce. So what I'm gonna do now is into this, I'm gonna add in my garlic and my celery salts. The reason why I like both, because the celery adds that nice herbal flavor from the celery and the garlic salt just kind of reminds me of ranch dressing, Yeah. right? So those two are mixed up in. And now all I'm gonna do is turn the blender on We'll start out low. And what it's going to do is start breaking up the onion, the garlic, the water from the onion. is going to start to leach out and thin that that buttermilk up a touch. And all I'm going to do is increase the speed to make sure that it's blended nice and smooth.
2: So Jimmy's using a a Vitamix blender, which a lot of, or most chefs, I should say, use. It's a really high-powered blender. Um, A lot of home cooks have them as well. They're amazing. I suppose a regular blender would work, or even if you have a food processor, it will work. But you're probably just not going to get it as like like pureed as a Vitamix would. Right.
0: What I love about Vitamix, they could literally turn bricks to dust, or they could do some simple work like chopping spices for you. I mean, there's really like no limit to them. So at this point, I've never really went past half because the onion and the garlic are relatively soft. So I'm going to cut the blender off now and just looking at this, I'm treating this almost like it's the base for my sauce and you can kind of see everything's come out nice and smooth almost, Yeah. right? But you can see how it's thin considerably. The next step is adding in my sour cream and mayo. So in goes my sour cream and mayo. So everything's still in the blender that was initially pureed. Yeah, just right in the blender. I think it's just making it making it easy is the, is the is the goal here you know as opposed to whisking it all and mincing everything by hand for the ranch this this comes out fantastic so again not too high but just enough to mix everything
2: in the chef's on like a a level five of
0: ten just to kind of like a medium speed to combine that sour cream now last but not least we're going to add in our our cream cheese so as
2: it was running, he carefully lifted the lid and added
0: that softened cream cheese in. <laughs> so he didn't splatter paint his ceiling. Right. Like some of us may have done. And all I'm doing now is just gonna make sure everything emulsifies really nice. And that should be a good start. My last ingredient that I'm gonna add in the blender here is the distilled white vinegar. It's gonna give it a little bit of sharpness and a little bit of tang that we're gonna associate with the, the flavor of ranch. Okay. Texture looks awesome. It looks like a nice, beautiful ranch. And you can kind of see where we're at now on our final, final step. I mean, it looks great. It looks like ranch, right? Yeah. Now we're going to add a little bit of black pepper to it. So I like using fresh ground black pepper. It's, it's always tough for me because, you know, cracking it or putting it into a, you know, buying ground prep pepper just doesn't do it justice. I want beautiful whole peppercorns that are freshly ground so they're very aromatic. Everything wakes up. All right. And that's the uh, that's the base of the ranch. So once that's done, what I'm going to do with this now is set this aside because we're going to use this later when it's time to actually build the sandwich. But before I do that, I just want to taste it to make sure that the flavor is where I like it. Tip alert. Tip alert. Taste oh, sure. as you go. <laughs> Like I love this right now. I think it's got great flavor. The onion comes through. You get the raw bite of the garlic. I just feel like it needs a pinch more of salt and that's all it really needs to be like the base of my ranch. Yeah. And what's gonna really make this pop later is when we add all those beautiful herbs to it and then it's gonna come to life and you're gonna really get that dilly, chivey kind of ranch business happening. Love it. So, cool.
2: So our ranch is started. It's really, really good. So you can set your ranch aside in the blender top or if you want to
0: put it in a little bowl. Yeah, any way you would our like. our guest. Transfer them over. There we go. Next step, we're going to come over to the range now because now we're going to actually do some cooking. First things first, this is kind of where I started developing this, this sandwich. I knew I wanted it to be a spicy chicken sandwich, and I was thinking like, okay, Nashville hot, amazing amazing chicken sandwich, but I don't want to try to recreate a Nashville hot because I can't make it as good as them. Yeah. So my next thought was, well, can I take the technique of using that hot paste, that trick of frying the spices that you would get in a hot chicken sandwich and use that as as a seasoning for the sandwich. And that's kind of how this was born. So what I have here is a little bit of canola oil in a small pot, not too large at all, just enough to kind of, to contain everything. So like your smallest pot you have, a lot of
2: people have like a one quart pot at home. This is a small restaurant size pot, maybe even a little smaller, but you know, that, that super small pot that you're like, what do you even do with this one? Maybe melt butter in it or something or heat up a one serving of soup. That's the pot you want.
0: Exactly. And the canola oil goes in. What do you have like a, I so this is Yeah, this is probably about a half cup of canola oil for, we call this hot paste in the restaurant because it becomes almost like a mixture of, of the spice and oil and it looks like paste. So what I do is I get the oil right around about 180 to 200 degrees and I add in my spices and you can see it, it almost fries right away. You see how it's so almost. So we,
2: so we place that oil over, call it medium heat. Yep. Bring it up to temp. It'll start looking a little like shimmery or liquidy. Jimmy's added all of his
0: spices from the hot paste. Right. You so have the cayenne. There's cayenne, there's paprika. Then I also have the uh, the garlic powder here. And I added a touch of salt and I'm gonna finish with the brown sugar because I don't want the brown sugar to caramelize too early. I want the spices to get nice and toasty first. So this way, once I could tell the color kind of darkens. So you, slightly. So you added these
2: and there's a, there's a little like bubble action that happened and you whisked as you added.
0: Exactly, just kind of keeping it moving. So basically, they don't burn on the bottom and then it toasts through consistently. And what I'm watching for- Do you
2: think we could tap? like,
0: did you turn the heat down to, to low or keep that heat like I literally was? got the oil hot and then I pulled it off the heat now. Okay. I'm just whisking the ingredients in. And you could see how the colors changed from that raw paprika to kind of like a, more of like a burgundy tone, like almost yeah. a brick red
2: color, right? So it's been about a, call it a minute, minute or 90 seconds, you've been mixing those spices to get them nice and toasty and-, and evenly, yeah.
0: Evenly it's, toasted. It's like a rust, like a dark rusty red right yeah last but not least now i'm going to add in my sugar just to kind of add a little bit of sweetness to balance the heat which is super important so it's not just straight heat and bitter toasted spice so we get a little bit of sugar added in there for the balance and at this point i love the color that's perfect i've been whisking it the whole time i'm just going to transfer it to something else i.e another pot that's cold or you know a dish or something obviously not something plastic because it'll melt it so you want to use something that's metal of sorts and then that's our finished hot paste that's and your hot paste, and it's and, not and really be
2: careful hot oil is is hot <laughs> how about that go <laughs> figure so, so one... you're transferring it from from the pot you toasted the spices it into another cold pot or bowl in order essentially to stop the cooking process that's exactly right okay. so just to
0: stop the cooking because leaving it into a pot that was you know ripping at 200 degrees and as it's coming down it's going to continue to cook So ideally what I want to do is stop the cooking process, put it into something cold or something cool that's not hot from there. And now our next step is the next garnish for this sandwich for our fried onion ranch is making sure that we fry onions. So this right here is the shallots um, that I had pre-sliced ahead of time and I sliced them very, very thin, about a sixteenth of an inch, like real, real thin, as thin as I can get them without them falling apart. This way they cook quick, they get nice and crispy and all that moisture is cooked out rapidly versus having an onion that's not crispy and still soggy. So so you're adding the oil and the sh-
2: cold oil and shallots to this
0: pot, and you're placing this pot over Right over high, high heat, heat. High heat, okay. And all I'm doing here now, this is kind of the – I'm going to watch the oil, and it's going to gently start to increase its heat, and you're going to start seeing oh, a little see bubble. It, yeah. Now, so going from cold and coming up, the goal is to have not too much in the pot where you're overcrowding it, and it's going to burn on the bottom and not, not cook on the top. And once I start to see those boils – uh coming up. Those little bubbles right there. I'm just gonna start stirring these shallots up. And basically like you could see, Cappy, how I've left it right on like the high heat right now. Yeah. You'll
2: I have it pretty quick. Like a like one, two minutes in, you may start to see like those bubbles form. Obviously this is a very high powered stove. We're in a restaurant kitchen right now at Belmore. So your stove at home, whether it's gas, electric, whatever it may be, may not be as high powered. So Jimmy's shallots came to a boil or a simmer, I'll call it, pretty pretty quick a minute or two but at home it could take that but it may take a little more but
0: you're literally looking for a simmer and keep those keep them moving that's the goal now as they're coming up i'm watching the color as the, the whole time because what's happening right now the oil is obviously heating up the shallots are starting to actually cook and release their moisture and that's that steam that's coming off that's mixing with the oil i don't ever want to get it blazing hot to the point where they start popping this isn't something that you do you'd start and walk away from it's basically like risotto once you once you commit to this sit there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't no go lady. anywhere. And I just keep them moving. I'm just stirring them with, my, with a little bit of a, a fork here, and I've just got them spinning in the pot. I'm gently swirling the pot, and I'm, I'm noting and watching the color. I think the one thing about being a cook is it's very visceral. It comes from within. You're looking at something. If it looks hot, it's probably hot. If it looks like it's burning, that's because it probably is burning, <laughs> right? So I'm watching for the color, and for me, what I'm looking for here is a golden brown toasted fried onion color. So... Right now, you can see it's still frying. The steam's cooking out of these shallots. They cook relatively quick because of the fact that they're so thin, but you also don't want them to burn. So you go quick, and that's why I like to just do it on high heat and just kind of keep them moving. This might take about another minute or two of my time, but I'm telling you it's worth it because it's just like these nice little toasty crispy onions that adds something different we call it uh fried onion ranch in the restaurant yes and it's it's like normally ranch you open a bottle you put it in you're done this is a ranch that we build more like a like a salad or a dish almost so we have our base we add our herbs we toss our lettuce with all that and then we hit it with the fried onions in the bowl so it becomes this fried onion ranch that just adds a whole new layer to it it's amazing so so these have been simmering away for, I don't know, at least a few
2: minutes, three, four minutes. Yeah,
0: we're at about three and a half, four minutes yeah. now, I think so. And you can see, it's all about cooking that water out of the shallot um, at a fast pace. It smells great though.
2: The science of like frying never like hit me like as soon as I feel like it should have. Like yeah. until I realized like, wait,
0: that steam in the, is, the, is the, water bleaster, evaporating the water evaporating from. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, you don't really realize until you cook, but like I talked about viscera earlier, like being visceral when you're cooking and you realize that when you put something cold into hot oil, what happens? The oil drops, right? Yeah. And I've always told cooks this, like when we're searing a piece of protein or something, moisture hits, hot oil, what does it create? Steam. And that's what prevents you from getting a nice, beautiful sear. It's the same kind of understanding of just basic principles of how things work. And I feel like that's what helps you elaborate into a much more conscientious and, and much more, uh, Skilled cook, I guess yeah. if that makes sense. So, I think messing up is one of the best things. You know, burning things and ruining totally. things. Yeah, to you teach learn
2: you. And this is this is like, if 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 anyone hasn't fried at home, you're kind of like up in your game a little here. Like, we're frying some shallots. We're fry, toasted some spices and oil. There's going to be frying chicken, but don't be afraid to fry at home. I think just be smart about it don't walk away from the stove. Don't overfill your pot. If you have a small pot, don't fill it to the top with oil. You never, I feel like for me, a good rule of thumb, I never like to go like above Never, definitely never above half, like right. full in a pot full. with oil. Because
0: once you add the ingredients, that's another thing that most people don't take into account. If you're going to over one, two, and three, you don't ever want to put too much in because as, as it starts to cook, it'll rise. But absolutely, I think half of the pot, even if you can do a third of the pot. Yeah. So you need a vessel large enough to do it. And another thing, too, is having ample, you know, a nice ample area for good airflow so your house doesn't smell like fried food. Yeah. But To be honest with you, a lot of us don't do it at home, A, because we might think it's unhealthy, which technically it is, but also too, it's the smell that comes off of frying too. It becomes very, very... So you can see, look at these shots. See how quickly that went now. Yeah,
2: we're at golden brown there. Yeah, we're
0: at a golden state right now. Yeah. And what's happening is the oil's still ripping hot and they're gonna continue to cook as I pull them off. So right now... So use your fork or your tongs or whatever you have. And now I have a, a, a tray, you could use a plate something lined with paper towels, basically, just to kind of catch these once they come out. Those look so good. Yeah, they're just basically fried onion crispies. But this
2: is kind of like a timely thing here. So again, when you're frying, never walk away from the stove. If you walk away from these shallots for like 30 seconds, you may lose them.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see how fast it went from like, they've been white, white, they were cooking and they're the steam. And then as soon as all that water and moisture evaporated, then we started caramelizing the actual cells of the onion. So it's like, instantaneously yeah. it happens. It's kind of so. like
2: when you're like... If you're making scrambled eggs and you add butter to the pan and you run to do something and you come back and your butter's...
0: Burden, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to bring this guy over. So now we've got all of the base of our sandwich ready. we basically... Knocked out the crispy elements, we started the base for our ranch, we got our hot paste going. The next step that I'm gonna that we're gonna talk about now is is actually frying the chicken. And for me with the Firebird, the one thing that I wanted to do was introduce this dilly ranchy kind of a flavor. So that's where the pickle juice came into the chicken. Now, when I thought of the breading and the spicing the, the flavors, for me the most important aspect is crunch, texture, crispiness. For a good breading and now i wanted the flavor profile to mimic that of the dill pickle to go against all the spice so for our firebird we went kind of simple here we just do nothing more than salt a little bit of dried dill and then we have our mixture of our two flours here okay so the first one being all-purpose which is pretty standard so to about a medium it yeah. medium to large size mixing bowl yeah. add your flour adding in i've got my whisk here and i'm just going to kind of use this to distribute the two ingredients the next part, the next starch that I'm actually adding is cornstarch, and reason being, the cornstarch is going to help give us that awesome crispy texture that we love with chicken. Right here, I'm going to add in my cornstarch, and just get that in. And now I'm going to add in my my dried dill. You know, we tried, we had one thing that we called JFC, and it was. Jimmy's fried chicken. And it was basically a blend of like 13 or 14 spices that we had added in. And it was like all this crazy work. And I, I loved it. It was tasty. And it was for, for what it was. But for this sandwich, we went simple. It was cornstarch, flour, dried dill, and salt. So you have your flour in there, you have your cornstarch, you have your dry dill, and you added salt. Correct. And the salt. Um, another pro tip for you guys, if you're making fried chicken at home, I love making sure that my salt is fine ground. So you can either buy fine ground salt, you know, use iodized salt or even take kosher salt and blend it to a nice fine powder. Reason being, it mixes with the grains of the flour really nice and you get an even seasoning versus getting chicken where there's big crystals of salt or it just doesn't blend in properly when you, when you make your breading. Good tip. Yeah, pro tip. All right, so now the breading's good. We've got our chicken here that, that was in brine. So this was brined for about six hours. And you can see the brine right here, it's really simple. All I'm gonna do is take this chicken out of the brine and transfer it onto a rack. Now, before you do anything, when you're making fried chicken or if you brined any proteins, it's always good to, when you take your protein out to let it rest. And that means salt is gonna be looking for equilibrium constantly. It's moving at all times. It's going in and out. There's moisture from the meat that's going into the brine, the brine's going into the meat. When you pull the meat out and you rest it on a rack, let it sit for about two hours so the salt could basically find its level and it, and it evenly distributes through the the meat that you brine. Basically, yeah.
2: he has like a like a rack. Someone may cook bacon on, you know, over like a baking sheet. Could we just lay? Could you just lay it on a plate
0: though, or like a... absolutely? Okay, yeah. Just even if anything, just put down some paper towels first or something just to kind of help it dry off a bit and uh, let it do its thing. Now, what I'm going to do now is bread this guy here. Now this is the technique that for me is the most important. So in the other bowl you have the buttermilk? Yep. We've got our buttermilk. We got about a cup to two cups of buttermilk in this bowl. Ideally you want it, it doesn't need to be a lot of buttermilk. The goal is to have actually more breading than it, more of the flour than is needed. But I've got the buttermilk just to create a nice little layer for something for the breading to adhere to. So I'm going to just mix the chicken around in this first bowl. And this is a tip I learned early on if you're doing multiple at a time. Either have a pair of gloves or be ready to wash your hands a lot in between. So you're gonna start getting those, you know, those heavily coated hands. But once I got the buttermilk all over the chicken really nice, my next step is transferring it into that, that flour and then covering it. Like I'm almost like you know, bearing it with this with this flour mixture. And now I start the process of develop developing what I call crags. I think the fried chicken community is uh everybody is loving of these little things. But what they are is when you work, you kind of pinch and push and pinch and push and pinch and push and massage that flour into the chicken. And I shake and you can kind of see all those beautiful, crunchy little bits. Those are the crags. That's yes. what when it fries, you get all those golden crunchy. I want the chicken to look like it exploded out of the fryer with crunchy, golden brown pieces, right? So
2: you rested that chicken thigh and then you put it, you dredged it in that bowl of buttermilk. So it was fully covered, picked it up, let it trip off a little bit, put it in the bowl of all the seasoned flour you did. And you you were like massaging that Like dye. It's
0: literally, it's like a pinch and push and a pinch and a push and you're like- Like getting it every nook and cranny. Every nook and cranny. And you have to have an absorbent amount of flour so you're not working in, in, a, in a very small area. You actually want like double to triple the amount of flour so you could really have enough to build the crags. Because for this sandwich and for fried chicken in general, I feel like my favorite parts are those little crunchy, crispy bits. Yeah. And the fact that it's not just straight all-purpose flour or, or cake flour, that cornstarch that we added is gonna give us the right amount of crunch without being too much crunch, where it feels weird. But that is, uh, wow. you can see how, it, it almost looks like cornflakes. Yeah. You know, it's like little crunchy, crunchy bits all over it. And that's, that's, the, that's the process. So you'll repeat that with all of your chicken.
2: Hit pause now if you need more time to bread your chicken.
0: And what I like to do, again, is I get it ready to go in the fryer and I wanna bread it and go right in the fryer. Some people I've heard, you know, they like to let it rest, relax. I find that when it relaxes, what happens in is the moisture from the chicken right, hydrates the flour too much. You get really cakey, doughy kind of uh, a batter or breading on the chicken. So we're gonna go right over to the fryer now. Uh, we have a little tabletop fryer, so we have a little tabletop fryer. You're using, if you want to fry
2: in a pot at home, you can. Again, like we said earlier, don't fill up that pot more than you know half, a third or halfway. And you could start heating up your oil now if you haven't already. When you want it at about 340 degrees.
0: Yep, 340. It's enough to get the uh, the chicken cooked, and then also too, it's going to drop its temperature a bit. Yeah, so. And if, you, do, if your oil is enough to temp now, feel free to press pause. So now right before I go in to our fryer, what I want to do is gently pick up one side of the chicken and just shake off the excess, like the light stuff that won't stick. And you'll see it kind of just sprinkles off, but I've still got all those gorgeous crags on the chicken. Got it. That looks awesome. Those little crunchy bits, best part. And just gently let it swim. So what we do is we time it about four minutes and it's tricky because you, you again, back to the whole viscera part of cooking, you don't know if your fryer wasn't hot enough or all these little variables that can go into it. If the meat was ice cold going into the fryer versus room temperature, that's gonna affect its cooking time. So there's all these little things that have to come into account when you're doing that. So, um, but nonetheless, for us, we found that about four minutes to five minutes works for us because they're boneless thin, uh, boneless thighs, the, the meat's no more than a half inch at thickness and it cooks relatively quick. Got it. But best tool is to take that, um, instant read thermometer that you have and you could always temp it when you feel like it's ready. I look for the color. I look for that same, that, that GBD, that golden brown, delicious yeah. color, you know, and
2: why, why do you use, I noticed you use skin
0: on. Yes. Just more flavor or more For crunch? me, I, you know what it is? I love the skin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. fair. Just, I mean, but here's the thing. You could do boneless, you could do boneless, uh, you can do boneless breasts. that's skinless. You could use, you know, we use a beautiful uh, organic free-range chicken here at the restaurant from Green Circle in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's just about finding high-quality chicken. I love chicken skin. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But I'm into it. Fried, fried chicken in the skin is some of the best parts. So... That's why I like it on. But we like the thigh too, though, because the, the, the flavor of that that thigh is the best, best texture for a sandwich. It's just awesome. Yeah. So.
2: All right, We're, we've been cooking for about ninety seconds. It's four minutes. Let's do uh, a little 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 chatter. Yeah. A little right. Chat while it's getting uh, little, cooking through and getting yeah. golden brown. Awesome. All right. So as we near the end of summer, approaching fall. Is there an ingredient or dish that you are hanging on to that you just
0: won't quite let go of? I think this is like, I could speak for every chef and everybody who loves summer, summer tomatoes. I mean, it's such a tchotchke, it's like such a basic answer, but like, if you think about one of the best things of summer, it's yeah. usually to me, it's either like an ice cold slice of like the best watermelon you've ever bit into. Yeah. Or like an amazing heirloom tomato just finished with salt. They're just like, there's nothing like it. And I it's love like, it. I think that once you transition out of that, oh, I forgot about sweet corn. Corn too. But, but when you, you're growing up in the Midwest, corn's like one of the biggest, <laughs> yeah. you know, all summer long. And it, you know, knee high by the 4th of July. And once you get corn, it's like it's sweet as sugar and it's amazing. So you miss that once it's gone, but corn, tomatoes, I think summer produce in general makes us happy because where we live in the Midwest, we get four seasons. And and usually the the, the summer, the most enjoyable is the shortest. So for me, it's, it's, it's gotta be tomatoes and corn. I dig it. I dig it.
2: Do you have a food related
0: tip or trick for extending the summertime? I think that extending the summer, if I had a, uh, you know, a sun clock, I could do that. But for me mentally, (laughs) Still cooking like it's summer and fall. Like, you know, getting the grill. Don't be afraid to go fire up the grill. Get the coals hot and still grill. And even though it's a little cold, I'll throw a sweatshirt on, go outside and enjoy it like it is summer. And trick yourself into believing you're clinging on to those last couple of things of summer. And usually that means being outside, right? Enjoying it. So as the weather gets cold, fire the grill up. Stay outside. That'll keep you warm and just trick yourself into believing it's summer.
2: All right. So while we have a minute, let's do a, a quick speed round. All right. Tell us
0: the f- your favorite person you're following on Instagram right now. Oh gosh, besides me. That's, well, yeah, you are obviously <laughs> top. I, you know what? Who I love is uh, Ignacio Madas from uh, um, Estella in New York. Awesome. I mean, I, I, his his food is so beautiful to me, and it, it's super super awesome. I also like the Dirty Berg from uh, Loyalist in Chicago. Yeah, I like following him because it's like this cheeky burger that, that like likes to pick on me a lot like it <laughs> cyber bullies me almost but That's uh, so funny. we kind of go back and forth and the funny thing is is i don't know who it is at the at the yeah. restaurant we don't know who it is so it's just this joke that i have running
2: with the burger. So. that is so funny the dirty so burg. for context there's a restaurant here called the loyalist which has a delicious burger called the the dirty Burger. it's called the dirty they, they call it the dirty burg. and it yeah. has its own instagram feed jimmy uh, goes back and forth with the burgers
0: Instagram <laughs> routine. I love it. I found a picture of an iceberg one time, and I tagged him. I'm like, yo, Berg, is this, is this guy related to you? He's like, nah, dog. Like, it's just funny that it's a burger, and it's oh, awesome. so
2: funny. All right, we
0: did a dish
2: you're obsessed with right now. Is there a song you're obsessed with right now?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think Foreigner, Jukebox Hero. Standing in the rain with his head hung low. That, that's like... That song reminds me of being in, like, the 70s, walking into a bowling alley, kicking the doors open, you know, grabbing a slice of pizza, like like a scene from Kingpin. So. It's kind of like your entrance song. Yeah, it's like too. an entrance Yeah, <laughs> If I was a wrestler, that would be my entrance song. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Any superstitions in the kitchen or otherwise? Yes. Uh, one of my biggest superstitions in the kitchen has to be... Um, when walking in, if things aren't organized, it, like, like it's an obsessive OCD thing, I feel like we're going to have an awful day. I don't know if it's a superstition, it's more as I just know that when things aren't organized, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I think I think an organized kitchen, an All right. organized kitchen, it's like I have this omen with me. Like as soon as I feel like it's unorganized, I feel like the day is going to just turn to a complete like, you know, trash I, I'm day. I'm with you, man. I'm yeah. With you. Awesome.
2: All right. So we're nearing right about four minutes. Almost at four minutes right this now. May, you know... Four minutes, is it, it could be exact. It could be right. a little less,
0: a little more. And also, too, one thing that we didn't really talk about is I've been slowly keeping the chicken moving with a with a, a strainer here. Just something to, to just move it around so it doesn't just sit on the bottom and burn. I, if you're at home cooking in a Dutch oven, the heating element is going to come from the bottom versus a tabletop surface where it's actually going to, you know, fry properly. So yeah. I'm keeping the chicken moving, and just look at that.
2: Oh, it's beautiful.
0: Look at the crunchies, like the crags. no? That's like... For me, all of those little tasty crunchy brown bits there, that's what I'm after. So we are literally almost there. I'm gonna give it an extra about 30, 45 seconds just to make sure it's cooked really nice and we should be set from there. And then we're gonna build the sandwich. So while that's frying, the next thing I wanna do is I'm gonna start toasting my buns. And if I'm at home doing this, one of the pro tips that I would love to use for you guys is your kitchen might get a little hot but turn your oven on as low as it can go around maybe 200 180 and what you want to do is use a wooden spoon or something and crack that oven a touch because what you're going to need to do is keep the first two or the first you know batch warm while you're frying your next batch so when the chicken comes out the first one that you're frying or the second or whatever pop it on a tray hold it in the oven and it's kind of creating this hot environment that's not too hot where it's going to burn while you're frying the next batch of chicken. I'm going to just gently toast these two buns here. So I've got our brioche style bun. We make these in-house. These are Hawaiian roll recipe. Cool. So we use our same recipe, which is made with pineapple juice and brown sugar, but it's very similar to brioche. Perfect for the sandwich. A uh, little bit of whole butter. Both sides. Yeah, just gently toast it. I'm using, you could use a non-stick pan at home. I am fortunate enough to have a griddle in the restaurant, so... <laughs> So we just
2: use the griddle. So put a non- you could put a nonstick pan over, call it medium heat, add that, you know, butter, the butter that's spread on the bun, add that to the griddle till it gets a nice, you know, golden brown griddly, griddly look. And just to uh, take a step back on what chef was saying of, about turning the oven to low and kind of propping it open with a wooden spoon if your oven doesn't sit propped open, if you're doing, you know, two or if you're doing four of these pieces of fried chicken, and you're cooking it in batches. He's basically saying, cook a couple at a time, maybe put it on a tray or a a tray that's lined with a rack, and then put it in that low
0: kind of oven, that low warming oven to to use your oven as a warmer. Exactly, so now the chicken is done. I am like smitten with the, the crags on that. It looks, the crags look so good. So if you have your thermometer, um, you could insert it now.
2: You've, 165 is fully cooked for a chicken, but 155 for this one, Chef Jimmy calls it. Usually when you're pulling something out of the deep fryer, it's so hot it'll carry up to that temperature. Is that right?
0: Correct. Cool. Yeah, I like to pull it around like 155 because it will continue to, to cook up another five degrees. You know, everyone recommends the, you know, the, 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 the 160 is the temperature for chicken. So I pull it 155 and let it rest up. now. Everything's pretty much set. So what we're going to do now is actually assemble it. And um, what I've got here is a bowl that I had with my my shredded romaine lettuce that I had set aside. I've got my eighth-inch thick sliced kosher dill pickle. Not too thick. So that's super, super important. And then about a quarter-inch sliced tomato. And I I chose a super nice ripe tomato. You could use amazing heirloom tomatoes that you can get in in the peak of summer. Awesome. Um, So, all right. We're about to assemble. You should have
2: your cooked piece of chicken thigh, your griddled bun. I'm just repeating everything Jimmy said. I just want to make sure you're like ready to rock. Your shredded lettuce, that ranch you made, which I think there's another step with that ranch. Right. Adding the herbs and then the sliced pickles, the sliced tomato, the fried shallot. So these are the components to make this.
0: Oh, sorry. One of the most important parts, the hot paste as well. Yes. So we're going to start out. We've got our lettuce in the bowl. And now I take my ranch base that we made earlier and I wanna dress this almost, I treat the lettuce almost like coleslaw, if that makes any sense. So it kind of becomes like a a, a slaw. And what I do is I add the dressing until I feel content with the amount that's on the lettuce and it should look like coleslaw. And you can kind of see that's coming out beautiful and dressed gorgeously. And now in goes all of my herbs. And this is a mixture that I I already pre-minced ahead of time so I don't have to do it in the middle of making the sandwich but it's scallions, chives, parsley, and a little bit of fresh dill, equal parts. It's in the recipe, and I'm just going to add this in liberally to get this really nice and herbaceous. So sprinkle
2: that in. It looks like you're at almost like one to two tablespoons. But it, listen, I know, uh, like, I... I like dill, I don't love it, but I'm slowly loving it more in certain preparations, so I,
0: I would probably go a little lighter on that, but <laughs> cook to your taste buds, right? Cook, so, cook to your liking, and yeah. that's, that's my favorite part, is it, taste, the hot, taste the hot paste, taste the ranch, taste these ingredients, and assemble the sandwich to your own liking. That's, that's super important. The next step now is those fried shallots that we made are nice and crispy. I'm gonna add these right over the top of that slaw, the, the romaine salad, if you will. And this is where that fried onion ranch comes to life, and that's the that's the magic, the magic of it. So shallots added to
2: the top of the ranch dressed lettuce, and Jimmy kind of set that
0: bowl aside until he's ready to complete right. that component. Now assembling the sandwich. So looking at this gorgeous piece of chicken makes me hungry. Let me take my spoon here. I'm gonna stir up the hot paste a bit, and you can kind of see, Cappy, look how it's like. This is why we call it paste. See how it looks like? Yeah, It's almost like a, like a hot, hot yeah. paste, right? What I want to do with this is mix that oil back in because the oil will sit on top. The spices will sit at bottom. All I'm going to do is I find this moderately spicy, not wickedly spicy, but I stirred it up. I'm going to drizzle it over the top of my Firebird. There we go. It's got good heat, good flavor from the uh, the garlic and the sugar and everything else that's in it. Okay. Now, one ingredient that we we failed to mention was mayonnaise. This is your option if you want it or not. I love it on the sandwich because when I make BLTs, I do the same thing. I like mayonnaise on the bottom, on the bottom bun, and I like the tomato against the mayonnaise. So you get this contrast of sweet, acidic tomato against this rich, beautiful mayonnaise.
2: So you're squeezing mayo
0: onto the bottom bun. A little bit on the bottom bun. And now let me assemble the tomatoes go on. I've Got two slices of tomatoes per sandwich. On top, I'm adding four beautiful thinly sliced pickles. On goes the the Firebird. So it's got all the hot paste on it, it's ready to go. Stir up my my, uh, fried onion ranch slaw over here. And now this is like the cooling agent for the salad, for the entire sandwich, the salad. So it's important to me that there's a good amount on there and what I love to do is like my last signature move right before it hits the plate is I drizzle just a little bit more ranch on top. Because ranch. Because ranch. <laughs> because ranch. And we spent all that time making it, so. But you could use this ranch, I mean, you could use it as a dip, you could use it on like another sandwich. Make a salad out of it, Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. Dress cucumbers with it, you know, it's 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 dynamite. So there we go. That's our Firebird chicken sandwich. This is my Absolute obsession, and I'm honored to get to cook for, for you on Cook Tracks today. So amazing! There it is, Chef. That looks
2: incredible. Thank you, absolutely, so much, man.
0: Oh, appreciate I
2: hope, it. I hope you enjoy it. If you're listening for entertainment, we hope you were entertained. If you're in the kitchen cooking along, we hope you have as beautiful as a sandwich as Chef Jimmy does here. If you're cooking this at home, Put it on the World Wide Web, social media, hashtag CookTracks, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for it. Thanks for cooking along with us.
1: Whether you just listened for fun or you cooked right along with us, we want to thank you. If you did cook a recipe, we want to see your food. Take a pic and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. You can find more info and keep up to date with us at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by Cappy, Ian Cohen, and Charlie Duglielo, with editing from Joel Yeaton. Music has been composed by Jeffrey David Goldfort. Special thanks to Red Summit Productions. Please rate, review, and/or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thanks for listening to Cook Tracks. We got your back in the kitchen.